I'm not kidding. I want to have a 10-year, we did it, birthday party. We worked really hard for 10 years, and this is a milestone. And so I hope we get to have a big old party. Hey, readers, I'm Ann Bogle, and this is What Should I Read Next? Welcome to the show that's dedicated to answering the question that plagues every reader. What should I read next? Today, we have a special episode. We're taking you behind the scenes of three independent bookstores we know and love, catching up with bookstore owners we've hosted before here on the podcast. With all the changes in the bookstore industry over the past few years, we thought it would be a great time to take a look at what's happening in the world of indie bookstores lately. First to join me is Holland Saltzman, owner of The Novel Neighbor in St. Louis, Missouri. Holland's been on the show quite a few times, including our holiday gifting episodes, or as one of What Should I Read Next's early guests way back in episode 40, our first year, called Spouses of Readers Anonymous. We will have links to all our bookstore owners' past appearances in today's show notes at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com, so don't worry about jotting them down. I'm also catching up with Abby Glenn, who you heard in episode 328, Reading is a Lifestyle, when we got to hear about Shelves, her online and pop-up bookstore based in Charlotte, North Carolina. And closing out our bookseller party is Annie B. Jones of The Bookshelf in Thomasville, Georgia, who first came on in episode 44, Like Speed Dating, But With Authors, and then in episode 132, the books we can't wait to read this summer. I am always happy for the opportunity to talk books and business with any of these ladies, so having all three join me today is a real treat. We have fascinating conversations about what's been happening in their bookshops since we last spoke, how their roles in their local communities have evolved, and what's new and notable in their stores. Plus, of course, you know we talk about what's particularly popular in their stores these days, what they're reading and loving, and which books they'd shout from the rooftops if they could. These are great conversations, and I can't wait for you to listen. Let's get to it. Readers, this week I'm celebrating the anniversary of my book, Don't Overthink It, my propitiously timed pandemic release about making easier decisions, stopping mental overwhelm, and bringing more joy to our lives. We're marking the occasion over on Instagram by sharing photos of the small things that bring us joy. If you've read Don't Overthink It, you know for me, those things include good pens, dark chocolate, and the $4 seasonal bouquets at Trader Joe's. Head over to my Instagram at Ann Bogle, that's Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L, to check that out. Play along and get inspired by other readers' small indulgences that deliver an outsized dose of happiness. If you haven't yet read the book, I hope you'll take this third birthday opportunity to grab a copy. You could even order from one of today's indie bookseller guests. Thanks, as always, for reading and sharing my work, and thanks for everything you've done to help Don't Overthink It find its audience these past three years. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jane Perlez longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. 
But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off, an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-off launches April 9th. Holland, welcome back to the show. Hey, Anna, thanks so much. It's great to talk with you. Again, you have such a history here, and I'm so glad for that. Me too. We still have people coming into the store that have heard me on what should I read next. So it's always a treat to kind of talk with them and show them where your books are. And I love it when I'm here, but we're also starting to get more people coming in because of TikTok with my younger staff. So I always like to flex myself when someone comes in to actually see me because of you. So we'll keep it real. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because that's something I wanted to ask you about. Now, when you and I have had coffee, not recorded. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sure that would have been fun to listen in for. But you've told me about how the younger generation, and now I definitely feel like the old lady that I aspire to be someday. But Holland, you've told me how some of your younger hires have really been savvy with social media. And that's really made a big difference in when you weren't expecting for The Novel Neighbor. Absolutely. During the pandemic, I mean, everything, I don't think we've talked on air or being recorded, <laughs> we talked other times, <laughs> um, you know, since the pandemic. And so, you know, I hated the word pivot, but that's exactly what it was. And we moved around and we were fortunate enough to have some online capability, which was clunky, but, you know, we ended up revamping the whole website. But during that time, a woman named Cassie came in and was moving back home, had some social media, so some bookstagram type of experience. And I was like, sure, you know, like most of my hiring processes, sounds good. <laughs> Go with my guy. You walked in. And it has changed like the trajectory in a lot of ways. And so she started a TikTok channel or we might've had one that was defunct. And the very first TikTok she did, I was out of town and I just started seeing sales of this one book. And I was like, what is happening? So I go over and I'd given her kind of, you know, all open breath. I didn't, I didn't say I had to see it. I just trusted And she was telling the story about somebody she met and how it was kind of this like racy situation that she might go hang out with this woman in summer. And I'm like, is this what TikTok is? You just put all your stuff out there? Like I was dying. And then she holds up Honey Girl and says, and this is the story of Honey Girl, pick it up. And I was, I mean, it was brilliant. And I was like, oh, I get it now. And so that was truly the first post sold books for us. And since then she and we call her skis, Stephanie skis, who's on my staff, have created some incredible content. And then we've got other staff that are comfortable doing some TikTok. And then they're slowly getting me on it. Um, they got me to do like a wrap up of 20. <laughs> I'm so, oh my God, I'm so nervous because they seem so natural and comfortable. I am so much more comfortable behind, you know, just the microphone talking with you. Uh, but I did my wrap up of best books in 2022. And I introduced myself as an indie bookstore owner. And we started getting questions about opening an indie bookstore. So Cassie is working with me to do a series of how to open or why I or how, you know, it all was handled based on questions that people on TikTok are asking. So we've recorded two of those. And we're going to keep doing those as long as there's questions. And I'm hopefully getting a little more comfortable. I read the, I might mention it four times. You've talked about it with me, The Creative Act by Rick Rubin. I got a chance to read that before it came out. And we ended up doing a workshop with this local organization called Webster Arts that was interactive and people had a creative piece to it. And I've probably sold 
you know, 30, 40 copies of that because I truly have a note that says everyone should read this book, period, because I feel really strongly <laughs> about it. Oh, and you said we've talked about the creative act, but we haven't. All you've said is, Anne, I love this book, <laughs> but I want to hear about it. Tell me about it. So Rick Rubin is a music producer that most people seem to know his name. You know, he started Def Jam Records out of his NYU dorm room uh, with a couple other people. He was very involved in kind of uh, when music and hip hop was starting. He's worked with everybody from Johnny Cash to the Beastie Boys to Avett Brothers. And he sort of lives out in Malibu. He was just on, I think, Anderson Cooper, like 60 Minutes. And, you know, he's got this really long white beard. He's barefoot. And he's just really present. And he he talked about how people wanted him to really write this book about all these great musicians and all these, you know, because people will swear that, you know, he changed the trajectory of their career, that he really was, you know, helped them make a shift. And I've listened to him now, I think, on four podcasts as he's been talking about this book. And he didn't want to do that. It, what he was talking about is how to be creative. And it ended up being how to be like it's a very sort of uh, mindfulness book and it's divided into 78 sort of snippet. Like, I don't know if you want to call them wisdom bits so you can dip in and out of it. And it's just a reminder that we are all our own creative acts. And so it, it's, it's not necessarily talking about a musician and not, not necessarily a painter, you know, you and everything you're producing are your creative acts. And so how do you want to present those to the world and, and where do you get stuck? And if you're getting stuck, how can you, go through some of the things that he's shared with musicians to get yourself kind of through this creative process. And it can be applied to parenting, to a recipe and really in your everyday, it's just some incredible reminders or some shift in thinking on how to be. That sounds fascinating. Holland, what else are you really excited about right now that you'd be eager to be able to press into readers' hands when they were in the store? So there's a couple that have come out. I just read The Daughters of Nantucket. Oh, I don't know that one yet. It's good. It's coming out in March. And unfortunately, some of these I'm going to talk about are kind of those future arcs, just because that's where I've been kind of putting my focus right now is just the future reading, trying to, as I'm sure you are, figuring out the big summer releases and kind of what's coming up. And um, it was really a, a good historical fiction about a time, you know, in Nantucket's Great Fire of 1846, that in the beginning, it felt a little heady handed, but it's this whaling village that ended up sort of becoming this very female forward, lots of relationships they were unpacking and just the visual descriptions and the writing was actually really good. So I was a big fan of that. And then a really fun one called Burn the Negative is coming up. Um, I don't think that one's coming out until July, but I think it's going to be fun. Have you heard of that one? No, tell me more. It reminded me a lot of uh, Night Film. Did you ever read Night Film? I did. So what I loved about Night Film was it had sort of all that interactive part in the book where you could read case files. And as, you know, as the main character talked about, you know, going to the police station, you got to read some of those things. And I just thought that was a really smart thing. And Burn the Negative is similar. You get absolutely access because it's sort of this meta that a young woman is being asked to come do an article in LA about this slasher film that's a repeat based on a slasher film that had been like 20, 30 years ago. And she had actually starred in it and everyone who was involved in the film had died. And so she doesn't know that's what she's coming to cover. Like there's all this sort of manipulation going on, but the minute she gets to LA, 
um, somebody jumps off a bridge and she's like, oh, it's starting again. And you're just like, what? Horror is really big in the store right now. Romance and horror, I can't explain it. Like everything sort of ebbs and flows. But right now, that is probably our largest growing area besides romance right now. And so this one, I think, is actually right on the cusp of kind of thriller horror. And it's going to be a lot of fun for people to read, I think. You know, when you're dealing with death and destruction. (laughs) That's so interesting. That was the thing you didn't see coming. Okay, what else did you never see coming back when you first opened a bookstore? I think a lot of what came out of the pandemic, uh, like our mystery boxes. And so, you know, when we had to close the doors and we weren't able to have people to come in and shop, you'd have so-and-so call and say, I need to get something for my nine-year-old grandson. You know, he's into dinosaurs, soccer, and graphic novels. And I have about, you know, 40 bucks to spend on that. And we're like, okay, we'll put something together. And that just kept happening. And we're like, oh, this could be a thing. And so that has probably, um, I should have the statistics in front of me, but it's ridiculous of the hundreds and hundreds of mystery boxes we do now. And some people will just be like, send me staff favorites. This is for me. Or I've got this neighbor who's 70 and retiring and, you know, enjoys Scotland and bourbon and something, you know, and maybe cooking, you know, who knows, or, or uh, sci-fi fantasy. And we're like, we got you to 75 bucks. We can pull that together. And so that's probably been one of the most fun things as well as popular, which then becomes financially, you know, something that we want to keep doing and spreading the words about because people order them. We've sent them now to, I think we have five different countries um, as well as, you know, certainly nationally here, uh, and then people will come pick them up locally. But really, it's 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 huge facing outward. We have people ordering stuff all the time. And you just can tell us. I mean, some people will connect us to their story graph lists and what they've changed. They'll tell us what, you know, what their astrological sign. I mean, we will get so much information that it is kind of like, okay, got it. <laughs> That's so fun. And you have to tell me about grown-up book fairs. Oh, gosh. That's just sort of popped up in the last year. Again, a creation, a couple of my staff who were like, this is a thing people are talking about. They want to be adults going to a scholastic book fair and having all the fun stuff. And at first I was like, well, isn't our store like that? Like you come in and you've got all the books and all this. They're like, no, they want to go somewhere fun. They want to have sort of curated books. And they're like, and since they're adults, I bet they're going to want to drink. So Skis and Cassie kind of went out and developed this partnership with a local brewery, as well as these this place called Sugar Witch, which makes these crazy, delicious ice cream sandwiches. And they did the first one around Halloween. And so they had some very scary, themey books and swag at this place. And then they decided to charge $10 to get in. So you're just paying $10 just to come and hang out with us for the night. And it had like a time slots because the room wasn't huge. And the $10 went to our nonprofit, The Noble Neighbor. And we sold out, I think, 350 tickets that very first one. Well, I mean, who wouldn't want to come to that? I know, but you don't know, but you, you think, you know, then all of a sudden you're like, oh, here's $3,500 for our nonprofit who now can bring mm-hmm. authors into underserved schools. So mm-hmm. like before we even opened the doors, this was phenomenal. And then everybody had a ball, you know, the brewery joke that they'd never had so many women in the, in the bar <laughs> at one time. Oh, it takes his books. Right. Books and booze and, and ice cream. And so it, it was so it was huge, you know, and then they came back and were like, let's do this around the holidays. And I was like, we can't. That's our busiest time of year. You know, we can't be taking half our, you know, a lot of our stock offsite and staff and time. And they were like, yes, we can. I was like, OK, because <laughs> I like to think I'm the boss. I'm not really the boss around here. And we did it over two nights. And again, it was huge and great and fun. And people had a ball. And so then we just did it one last time for Palentine's Day. 
So that was absolutely, you know, blew it out of the water again with, you know, themey stuff. And, you know, now they're talking about they want to take it on the road because they want to either go sort of plant it in other cities or if there's maybe an area that doesn't have like a huge bookstore or something. And I was like, I'm saying no to doing that in 2023. They could research it and find a place, but 2024, I'll let them actually go and do this. And then I'm like, how are we getting the books there? How are we anyway? So I was like, we'll figure that out this year. But yeah. Holland, a lot of readers wonder how you decide what to stock in the store. The reality is we're doing, you know, front list orders. We're buying for the summer season right now. So we've been reading a little bit for summer season and kind of reading ahead. And I meet with publishers and they kind of tell me on maybe what I didn't buy. And we just have big conversations about what might work in the store. But also I'm headed to Winter Institute next week uh, in Seattle, which is the American Booksellers Association, which is kind of our parent company for independent bookstores. And at the Winter Institute, there is opportunities for professional development, whether for managers, owners, entry-level booksellers, you know, everything from marketing to succession planning to working with nonprofits or creating your own and all these great things. But also there's publisher dinners with authors and it's a great <laughs> fun time that you get to go sit next to you, I, one of the ones I'm going to Penguin Random House and Abrams. Abrams is I always make sure I get invited to because it's a, they have such a fun line of books. So not only fiction, but, you know, entertaining books. That's just always a treat to be able to sit with an author and they're there to talk about their books, but you just get to know them. So that's a lot of fun. And, you know, you sit in a lunch sometimes and every 10 to 20 minutes, publishers come by and pitch you on four books. So it is a lot of information gathering. There's a lot of picking up of books, you know, some great professional development. You get to see other people in the field, but it's very helpful in trying to at least narrow down this huge field of all the books that are available. Mm -hmm. Holland, do booksellers get in reading slumps sometimes? And yes. <laughs> I texted Ian actually recently and was like, I love nothing I'm reading. Please help me. What are you reading? And she was very helpful. And I think we've done it back and forth to each other over the years. But I do. I love to hear what you're reading. Always. Well, and I love to hear what you are. And it's just, and sometimes I'm just like, you got to tell me something because I think you know my, what I like now to just, sometimes I just got to get out of a slump. And so I mm -hmm. did, I was in a bit of a one and I read Two things recently. Um, I read the new Christina Lauren. It goes along with the soulmate equation. So did you read that? The soulmate equation? Yeah. Yes, but I haven't read the new one yet. Waiting on my Kindle. Oh my God. It was really fun. It kind of, and I just sort of have to remind myself that like I have to go for fun and easy and smart. And Fanny, who's the sidekick, uh, you know, romance writer in the first book, it's her story next. And it was just a treat to read. You don't have to read the first one, uh, but that kind of got me over it. And then, you know, then I could go pick up something else like the human origins of Beatrice Porter and other essential ghosts by Palmer that I just thought was beautiful and epic, but I probably couldn't have picked that up during my reading slump because I just needed to to read. And then I'll listen to the, I mean, I'm still all over Libro FM with audiobooks. I'm listening mm -hmm. to lots of racy warnings here. The Big Swiss. Have you read this or do you know much no, about it? No, I don't it? know this book. Big Swiss. Oh gosh. It's like, you can't listen to it with kids around. I don't even know how many warnings I need to put on it, but it is a woman who is transcribing 
a therapist notes between he and uh, his clients. And he's a sex therapist in this very small town where this woman basically runs. It's sort of like one of these hippy dippy. Everybody's like in their second, third career of selling molasses and organic and living on farms and things like that. And so she kind of runs into these people in town that she knows their voices from transcribing their sessions with a sex therapist. It's insane and so much fun to listen to because it's got multi-narrators. I don't even know what to say to that, Holland, but I'm glad you're finding something entertaining. It's not for everybody. (laughs) What about you? What's gotten you out of a slump before? Or does it depend? I often find that what I need is either a change of pace to just a totally different genre than I had been looking in. Sometimes I need just a little bit of courage to pick up the book that's been intimidating me because it might be like big or feels very serious, but I really expect I'm going to like it. And then often I'll get 20 pages in and I'll be like, oh, what was I scared of? This is great. Sometimes I need a good recommendation from somebody who knows what I like. I think it just depends. It depends, but it's reassuring for our listeners to hear you say as a bookseller, like, of course, this happens to everyone. Totally normal, also totally overcomable. Holland, is there a book that feels just quintessential novel neighbor to you? Three, four years ago, I would have been able to name three of them. You know, at that point, I think our best-selling book was Tequila Mockingbird, not Tequila Mockingbird, but Tequila (laughs) Mockingbird. And it's all these fun drinks that go along with cocktails it would be the the one in a million boy, which, you know, I hand pressed you and it just became like my favorite book since we'd opened. Like I just was like everybody, I, I feel comfortable giving this book to everybody. And some of the kids series that, you know, we've carried throughout time that all of us kind of get behind, which like the story thieves. So I would have sort of been in that genre. But now we have 18 staff, man. And so it's crazy the diversity on the shelves, the reading shelves of everybody and what people are kind of reading. And so, you know, I started to pick up a lot more nonfiction and romance. I mean, I would say some people now identify us with such romances because of author visits we've done. And that section is growing. Our romance book club has like 60 people on the regular. They have to split them in two rooms and we've got six other book clubs, you know, and then the house and the cerulean sea, which I'd mentioned earlier by TJ Klune, certainly the whole staff loved that book. So I'm trying to think of something, but that's rare that we're all on the same page about a book, which keeps it really interesting. And I don't know, it's just been a lot of fun kind of seeing what other people are reading. And then every once in a while, if two people do love a same book, and then they fight about who gets to put it on their their favorite (laughs) shelf. (laughs) Holland, what's on the horizon for you and The Novel Neighbor that you're especially excited about? I hate to predict anything with the way that the world has gone in really exciting ways, but there's a couple of big name authors that we should be hosting. Uh, Katie Roberts is one. If you've read any of her racy, spicy, no, she had to postpone. It's a huge series and she's super popular, but she was supposed to come for her most recent book and just the travel wasn't able to work out. And so she's now coming in August, but there's two other people that if we get, they're sort of like, dream gets for my staff. So they won't let me talk about it yet. And then there's something that I've been asked to participate in that if this happens, I'm going to be calling you immediately because I'm going to need big time help. And I don't mean it to sound like this, but it might just change 
Yeah, it's very exciting. I can't sit still and <laughs> I'm, I'm really intrigued. paranoid and I'm so excited and it's just, it's, um, yeah, it'll, it, it's just, I, I can't even. And then we just got named, Novel Neighbor just got named as the best business in Webster Groves by our Chamber of Commerce. So we'll be doing a little bit of celebrating around that. Congratulations as well. Thank you. you should. Holland, thanks so much for popping back on. It was great to talk to you and catch up. Thank you so much. I will hang out with you anytime, Ann Bogle. Throughout history, royals across the world were notorious for incest. They married their own relatives in order to consolidate power and keep their blood blue. But they were oblivious to the havoc all this inbreeding was having on the health of their offspring. From Egyptian pharaohs marrying their own sisters to the Habsburgs' notoriously oversized lower jaws. I explore the most shocking incestuous relationships and tragically inbred individuals in royal history. And that's just episode one. On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. I'm Lindsay Holiday, and I'm spilling the tea on history. Join me every Tuesday for new episodes of the History Tea Time podcast, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Abby, welcome back. Thank you for having me, Anna. So nice to see you and talk with you again. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Now, of the booksellers we're talking with today, you and I connected the most recently, and that was in April of 2022. But I imagine a year can feel like a lifetime and the life of a bookseller. How has Shelves evolved since we last spoke? So I think when we last spoke, we were coming up on Independent Bookstore Day 2022. We were participating in a book crawl. The first one that they were doing in our area, that went really well. We did that all month long in April of last year. We were rolling out our new um, apparel design in April and Indie Bookstore Day. But to be quite honest with you, I had moved to a new home. So the shelves headquarters had moved with me because I run the business out of my house. And I partner with businesses that have the brick and mortar presence to do the pop-ups. So I had all of that. Can we just time out to say, like, bookstores are owned by real people. And when you have a disruption in your personal life, that means it affects the business. And that's how it goes. Actually, you just summed it up. Like, especially for my business model, because we're online and Mm pop-up. So I don't have, like, this physical location that people can come in every day and shop with me, like your regular traditional indie bookstores. And I'm actually very fine with that. I I actually don't want a brick and mortar right now because my life is incredibly good where it is. 
to be quite honest with you, I spent the entire summer of 2022, July and August, I didn't do any pop-ups and I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. I like completely sat down, I relaxed, but to be honest with you, like my life was already kind of shifting, but I had no idea it was going in the direction it was going in. But I was doing more uh, ministry work for this. I focused on that during the summer and then I picked back up with the pop-ups in the fall. Mm-hmm. Abby, tell me about what your fall pop-ups looked like this year. Um, so last year we did the uh, conference. That was our second conference ever. Of we did that. Uh, what was that? End of September, beginning of October. That was the Society of Children's Books Writers and Illustrators, mm-hmm. um, the North Carolina hub. And it was great. Like that was an opportunity to meet children's book authors and writers and illustrators. We served as their on-site bookstore and we got to carry the books of the authors that were leading workshops and illustrators that were leading workshops at the conference. That was a really cool experience. Definitely something um, I would do again. And then we just went back to our normal pop-ups at Enderly Coffee Company, which is just a locally owned coffee roastery here in Charlotte. And we work with them very closely. We've been working with them for almost four years come this July, this summer. So that was really it. I try to keep it light. Again, mostly because things in my personal life has shifted in a really good way. So what I was trying to make sure was that I wasn't getting stressed out with shelves, and I didn't. I really kind of closed the year out on a high note as far as I'm concerned because I was like, oh, you know, things are going the way they're going. They're good. I'm happy. I'm content. My life is good. Let me just, you know, smooth sail on out of 2022, and that's exactly what I did. What is your favorite part of the job right now? Just telling people to, like... Make sure you're reading, read good books, you know, books that you desire to read, but just also making sure you're taking the time not to get caught up in everything and a lot of the noise. Cause I feel like even in our industry from a bookseller side, and I feel like the readers could be picking up on this too. There's been a lot of noise in our industry because of everything that like got crazy in 2020 with George Floyd murder, Black Lives Matter protests. So our industry was impacted by that because people turn to books for leisure, but they also turn to books for um, activism. So I think that things had gotten really loud and noisy. And I feel like a lot of booksellers were wondering, where do we go from here? Because, you know, we want to do this, we want to do that. But it's like, Lord, <laughs> where are we going? So I feel like some of our readers got caught up in there, our customers, because people were like, well, what should I read? What should I be reading? Should I be reading nonfiction? Should I be reading fiction? If I'm going to read fiction, am I going to be reading about, you know, diversity? Like, I felt like some people were questioning, like, just, again, their decision to enjoy the art of reading. Like, that's what I felt like. Like, it was like, should I be making a statement with the book I'm reading? Or if for booksellers, what should I be selling? Like, it just was, it got real noisy for a bit. And I think that for me, I'm trying to show everybody, my colleagues, as well as my customers, like, it's some of us out here that realized that the noise was getting, it was getting too loud. And I took a step back and I'm just kind of like, don't forget your why and why you started. And that's what I'm telling my customers, like, just don't forget to read. That's really where I'm at. Don't forget to read. Read, read things that brings you pleasure. Read things that will educate you. Read things that will keep you informed. But don't get caught up trying to turn your reading life into what everybody's telling you your reading life should look like. Because 
everybody has their motives and reasons. You won't be able to please everybody. Even the bookstores, I'm seeing that. Like they're making honest mistakes and they're being criticized. I mean, these are bookstores are pillars in the community. And, you know, some some of them I've seen, oh man, I'm sorry, we posted, we put the wrong book in the window. We work like, and I'm just like, y'all, it's I like. We're running a business. We're, you know, we're small businesses. We just are trying to stay afloat and serve our community. And I just think it's all the noise that spilled over from 2020 and and, and the pandemic stuff. The pandemic also put us in a tizzy. And I just think we're all trying to come up for air. And I think you got to get back to why do I enjoy reading? Why am I even reading what I'm reading? Am I reading this because somebody told me I should be reading this? and Or am I reading this because I really feel like this could add value to my life? Yeah. Th- this could either relax me or this can inform me. But I just don't think people should give, I don't know, don't fall for the lip service. Because I feel like there were a lot of people who really want change in their own life and they want to do better. But they were just I don't know, just digesting what everybody was telling them, like, read this, read this, read this. And it's like, yeah, but you can read stuff all day, but you're not taking what you need to take away from it. I'd rather be like, hey, these are your options. And when you get a chance, read this. And people, you know, you get around to and get around to it. We got time. We got time. We got time. So your favorite part of the job is telling people what to read. And not just, I don't mean that in a bossy way at all. I mean, helping connect the right reader with the right book, but that's not what we're going to talk about right now. Right now, we're going to talk about what you love. Tell me about a few books that you would shout from the rooftops if you could. Actually, you know what? Let's call this the rooftop. Abby, what are you loving? What are you really excited about? Well, right now, I'm actually reading a young adult novel. I don't even remember the last time I read YA. I'm reading The Davenports by Crystal Marquise. It was actually one of our book picks Uh for our young adult reading as a lifestyle subscription for February. I had an advanced reader copy. And um, one of my members who she always wants to know, like, what's all the books you selected this month for us? Because they only get one of of the ones I select. And she was telling me that she had put the Davenports on her list, even though that wasn't a book she got from me. So I started reading it. And I, again, I don't even remember the last time I read YA, but it's actually a really good book. I'm actually going to reach out to see if I can get the author to join us at our monthly reading of the lifestyle hangout in March. So I'm reading that. Something else though, that I think, um, Again, now I'm going to share some recommendations from the subscription that my members have loved, love, love. There's another uh, historical fiction novel that I selected in December. The cover of the book, I'm just going to tell people up front, it is ugly. It's not appealing. It's not a book, y'all. I hate to say it. I'm not trying to be mean, but the cover of the book is not appealing. If you were, you're somebody that judges a book by its cover, you'll be like, hey, yo, what is, this is ugly, but it, it's really good. It's historical mystery, and it's called Death at the Falls by Rosemary Simpson. Again, not a pretty cover, but a very, very good book. And then another book that I actually thought I would hear more about when we I selected it, but The Bandit Queens by Perini, I think I'm going to pronounce her last name wrong, Shroff. That was our contemporary pick. I also had that as an ARC, an advanced reader copy. And what's crazy is that I had it for several moms. My neighbor, she likes mystery and I gave it to her. But I, the name of it in the synopsis, I never got it, like got out of my head. I was like, yeah, when that book officially comes out, I'm, I'm definitely going to take a look at that for the subscription. I gave this to her several months ago in 2022. And so I, I ended up selecting it for the subscription for January. 
And my members, we, I was talking to them on the 5th of this month, and they loved it. They loved it. The premise of it is just like this woman, I think people think she killed her husband. And so, again, it's, I don't, I don't, it's not true. My understanding is it's not a true thing. She did not kill her spouse. And the main character is Indian. So it's almost this whole thing about like cultural differences and how like women in India are in marriages and what that looks like for them. And my members loved it. So I reached out to my neighbor. I said, did you get to read that book I gave to you? She said, no, not yet. I said, make sure you read it because my subscription members really liked it. So the Bandit Queens, that's another good one. Those are three different types of books. Again, the historical fiction, the Davenports, that's young adult. The Death at the Falls is historical, but it's mystery. And then the Bandit Queens, that was our contemporary pick for January. So that's what I'm getting all the buzz about right now is those books have been something I've heard my members personally say it's really good. But the Davenports, I'm reading and I'm enjoying it a whole lot and and like a whole lot. I'm really enjoying it. It's about a wealthy black family in Chicago. It's funny because our young adult subscription, with the exception of one young lady who is in high Mm -hmm. school, Everybody in our young adult subscription is in our adult subscription. They're all adult women. Like with the exception of one young lady. And the reason why I know that she's a kid, like a high schooler, is because her mom signed her up for the subscription. And so, yeah, her mom, like we got to talk via email. So I'm like, oh, she's literally our only young adult in the young adult subscription. Everybody else is a grown woman. That's how the cookie crumbles. A good book is a good book. It's good. Abby, thanks so much for coming on and telling us what's happening with shelves these days. Thank you, and I pre- thank you for having me. We're still here, y'all. I don't know how long we're going to be around because it's just all types of stuff happening out here. But while we're here, I'm trying my best to serve. I'm trying to do what every bookseller, I would imagine, is doing. We're trying to make sure we're meeting the needs of those in our community. And that's what Shelves is still doing in 2023. Like We're trying to make sure that we're covering and taking care of our supporters first. Your bookstore is doing their best. And I tell people, y'all have no idea how complicated book selling can get because we are literally, you know, having to, to some extent, I mean, for lack of better words, submit to the authority of what the publishers are doing. You know, we don't get a say over what books are released. We don't get a say over prices. We don't get a say over discounts. What we are doing is doing our best to select books that will fit the demographic of the communities that we serve. That's what a bookstore is, is to serve their community. And anybody you see in book selling, I promise you, they're not doing it for the money. They're doing it for the love of reading. They're doing it for the love of reading. And we're so glad they are and that you are. Thanks, Abby. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? (laughs) You get the goofiest game in history, Queen's Podcast. Hi, I'm Nathan. And I'm Katie. And we're the host of Queen's Podcast. Join us while we spill the tea on women from history. We get into all kinds of stories here, like biographies of lesser known figures. For instance, Saida Haltura, powerful pirate queen. To the stories you might already know, like Marie Antoinette or Cleopatra, but with a fun twist. Each queen is paired with a cocktail that'll totally get you in the mood to hear fun, juicy, and dramatic stories from history. Because history is so much more than just dudes on a battlefield, and we believe that the female perspective and roles are just as deserving of their time in the spotlight. Right. So come get to know these queens. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
Cheers. Hi, everyone. It's Jean Chatsky, host of the Her Money podcast. For seven years, my show has been changing the relationships women have with money because make no mistake, when it comes to money, women are different. We face challenges that men don't. Longer lifespans, caregiving, a gender pay gap that just won't quit. Oh, and the fact that the financial industry was built by men for men. We need information specifically for us presented without jargon in a judgment-free zone. And that's what the Her Money podcast is all about. Every week, we talk about earning more, spending smart, investing to build the life you want, and protecting yourself from disaster. Subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Because when you own your money... You own your life. Annie, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, it's a pleasure. I'm so happy to connect again. You'll have such a history with what should I read next. I knew that we talked in early days. I had to rack my brain, Annie. We met at SIBA Mm -hmm. in Savannah, Georgia. You introduced yourself to me at like a cocktail hour. A bold move for me. (laughs) And apparently, you came on the show a month later. Yeah. Uh, do you know what year that was? 2016, in our yeah. like eighth or ninth month of What Should I Read Next, which is now in year eight. And Amazing. In 2016, how long had you been running the bookshelf? Three years, because this year is my 10th year of running the bookshelf, if you can believe it. <laughs> That's a big deal, Annie. It is a big deal. I hope we're going to have a party. (laughs) (laughs) I hope so, too. Something I'd really love to talk about with you is that you have not been shy about the financial realities of small business ownership. This is something you talk a lot about on your podcast and on Instagram. And you also haven't shied away from talking about the economic and really emotional roller coaster that is the bookstore business. And in part, something you're clear about is that is small business. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear you say more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I want people to know, and I think I'm so transparent about it, first of all, because I don't really know any other way to be. And second of all, because I want potential small business owners, bookstore owners, entrepreneurs to know a little bit about what they're getting into, right? They may not know everything about what they're getting into, but if we can talk about the financial and economic realities of small business ownership, I think it better prepares us to be creative, to be proactive. And so sometimes it feels a little bit vulnerability hangover to like to say on the internet or on the podcast, you know, how big of a burden taxes are or how much I took out for a business loan. But then it also makes the wins even greater when I pay the tax bill or when I pay off the small business loan. And so it's a way to be able to honor celebration. And it's also a way to prepare, I hope, future small business owners so that they know, okay, this is the reality, but I can do it. It's possible to do it. So you already mentioned taxes. I know you've talked online about credit card fees. What is something you do in your day-to-day that you think most readers would be really surprised is part of your job as a bookstore owner? I think I may have even said this back when I was on the show in 2016 or 2018. I just had no idea how much of small business ownership was bill pay. Like, (laughs) you think think that you're going to, especially like here we are at year 10, right? You think that maybe eventually that's something you'll delegate, right? Because that's kind of 
one of the goals of small business ownership is that you might reach a point where some things are delegated and put on somebody else's plate. But bill pay, I think, is important for a business owner, for a bookstore owner to do, because it helps me keep the finger on the pulse of cash flow. It helps me know where we're spending money, what we're spending money on, what we need to bring in, when we need to increase and boost marketing efforts, et cetera. So I just didn't realize that here at year 10, I would still be spending at least one full day a week (laughs) paying bills. Uh, And I just, I'm grateful to have learned so much in the last 10 years, but small business ownership and bookstore ownership is not just hand selling books on the floor, which I love to do, but that's just not the reality of what owning the bookshelf looks like. So like, who are some of the people you're paying that we never think about? Like, because it took a long time before I realized, oh, like my bookstore has to pay the light bill. That is a real thing. Yes. Yes. We have to pay utilities. We have to pay sales tax. We have to pay occupation tax. We have to pay city and county school tax. I have an accountant. I have a business coach. I have a virtual assistant. These are things that I, even in 2016 or 2018, didn't know existed. I didn't know I could have a business coach. I didn't know I could have a virtual assistant. I didn't know that that would make sense for my business. And instead, those are the things that have saved my life over the last five years, especially the last three years running a business through the pandemic. I couldn't do it by myself. A business coach was necessary. A virtual assistant was necessary. On the flip side, what's part of your job that is such a delight that you can't believe you get paid to do this? I can't believe I get paid to read books, right? Like... (laughs) Like what an absolute dream come true for every bill you have to pay, you get an advanced reader copy. (laughs) Do you you know what I mean? Like I get to read books before they're published. 12 year old Annie could never have imagined such an abundance of riches. Or someone asked me the other day, do you like being at the bookshelf when packages are being opened? Like when a shipment of books comes in or a shipment of gift product comes in. Yes, it's like Christmas. I love nothing more than being on the floor for those moments. And I still absolutely adore reading to kids, doing story time, hand-selling books to the people I know and love. Because now, 10 years in, I can say that I know and love my Thomasville customers. And there's nothing quite like having a conversation about books on the floor of your bookstore. Is it fair to say you were still proving yourself back in 2016? Yes. Yes. Do you ever, (laughs) do we ever stop? Do I ever stop proving myself? I, yes, absolutely. In 2016, I was still, Thomasville is a very beautiful community of people who have like lived there forever. And so I really believe 10 years is a pretty great marker to be able to say, Hey, Mm. I came here. I took over a legacy store I didn't run it into the ground. (laughs) Uh, Here I am 10 years later. I honestly feel like until the 10-year bark, I felt like I couldn't breathe. (laughs) Does that sound bad? (laughs) I feel like I can breathe now. That sounds like the reality of your business. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we want to hear about. What is the bread and butter of your business right now? And has that changed since 2016? I know it's changed so much that feels like a ridiculous question, but... No, I think in 2016, we were still a brick and mortar bookstore, primarily selling to in-store customers. And I think that made sense. I was only three years into the job, but we were making efforts towards being a little bit larger than that and thinking maybe beyond the boundaries of the city of Thomasville. And I'm so glad we were thinking about that back in 2016, because in 2020, our customer base 
completely switched, right? And completely flipped from being 80% in store to now 80% online. And so now we're evening back out. It's 2023. We're evening back out. And I think the bread and butter of the bookshelf is threefold. It's shelf subscriptions, it's reader retreats, and it's from the Front Porch Podcast. And all of that falls under the bookshelf, the brick and mortar place that you see in Thomasville. I want to talk about shelf subscriptions, but first, Mm -hmm. our team member Bridget just got back from the reader retreat. That has to be top of mind for you. Paint us a picture. What was that like? Yes. It poured rain, first of all. I just wanted to say it was was super stressful. (laughs) That was my experience in Thomasville, Georgia, but only for a one-hour afternoon monsoon. Man, which is typical for summer. We saw the forecast coming, but it was a rain like I haven't seen in this city in years, not years, but months. It had been a long time. So it rained. However, reader retreats are basically designed to be like summer camp for readers, summer camp for introverts. So I hated summer camp. So I wanted to like redeem that enterprise. And we welcomed 20 to 25 women and men from all over the country. I mean, all over the country. It is astonishing to me. California, Idaho, Nebraska, Texas, all come to Thomasville, which as you know, is in the middle of nothing. And they come and read good books, have good food, have good conversations, make new friends. It is, it's a dream come true. I mean, I say dream come true, but it's honestly nothing I ever could have pictured or imagined. It just has become kind of its own really beautiful, magical thing that spun up out of our imaginations and now is reality. What was the highlight of your weekend this time? I think it's the best live podcast we've ever done. So we always start Reader Retreat with a happy hour and then that in-store pin-to-plate dinner, which is like this beautiful, magical dinner party inside the bookshelf, which I always think is a highlight for folks. But we close it. Our kind of big final event is a live podcast recording. And we do an episode of From the Front Porch. And I always love those conversations. Frequently, my guest is Hunter McClendon, who's this bookstagrammer, but he's a real true friend to me. And he, he was born and raised in Thomasville. And we just had a great conversation about books we wish our favorite authors would write. And it was <laughs> just delightful and, and fun. And that sounds wonderful. It was, it was fabulous. It was just like talking to a good friend. And then there happened to be other people in the room. <laughs> and we'll get to listen to that when it goes live later this spring or summer. That's right. Wonderful. I can't wait to listen. So something I love about your store is that it's really built into the business model that reading is personal. Like when you Mm -hmm. have a shelf subscription, you choose who to follow of your staff based on their taste. But Mm -hmm. today, Annie, I want to know, how would you describe your taste? My taste lean toward literary fiction, often with female characters at their center, but always well-written, character-driven with an emphasis on storytelling, themes of faith, doubt, family. I like reading about relationships and complicated people. That's how Mm -hmm. I would describe my reading tastes. Mm -hmm. What is selling well in the store right now? Whether people just happen to be ordering it or because you are pushing books into people's hands, that is totally your jam. My favorite book that we are selling a lot of right now is Stealing by Margaret Verbal, which I think, I mean, it's 
pretty early as we're recording this, but it feels like one of my favorite books of 2023. I was invested in the main character. I loved the storytelling. It opened my eyes to something I needed my eyes to be open towards. And I have loved hand selling it to readers and talking about it to readers in store. So to me, that's, that's a title that we're selling a lot of, and I'm thrilled that we're selling a lot of it. A lot of readers and bookstore patrons wonder if someone in a role such as yours still gets to read for enjoyment, or are you stuck reading books because you have to, like all the new releases and promos? What can you tell us about that? Certainly reading is part of my job now. I think what people can forget is that work can still be joyful. And so I read a lot for my job, but I also really like my job. I do try to make time for backlist titles for this year. I'm reading Wendell Berry. Last year, I read a lot of Toni Morrison. This year, I'm reading Wendell Berry. So I try to read things that I am not just reading because the bookshelf is making me (laughs) or the podcast (laughs) is making me. Like I'm reading for my own enjoyment, for my own learning, for my own pleasure. But reading for work has not diminished the joy of it for me. I still love to read. I still look forward to it every afternoon. I love having a good book in my hands. Reading being a part of my work has not diminished that enjoyment. Okay. You hinted at being built into your rhythm. Would you say more about that? I, every day, try to leave work at three o'clock and come home and read. And that is like sacred time. My husband, Jordan, calls it Annie time. Like, <laughs> like, like it is my time. Jordan's not home yet. I'm not going to cook dinner maybe I'm not even going to exercise yet. I'm not going to go for a walk. I'm going to sit and I'm going to read or I'm going to take a walk, but listen to an audiobook. That does feel like part of my daily rhythm. And then weaving these authors in who I have not read before, but really wanted to read. So a couple of years ago, it was Jane Austen. Last year it was Toni Morrison. This year it's Wendell Berry. Incorporating that into my almost quarterly or seasonal reading life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not necessarily reading Wendell Berry every day, but I'm reading a book of his every quarter. And that has become a part of my rhythm that I've really liked. And then I'm also reading a classic every year, which is for the bookshelf. I'm not sure if I would be doing that were it not for our Conquer a Classic program. But it has been one of my most life-giving practices where I'm reading a classic book in small snippets, it almost feels like a spiritual practice to like slow down. I'm, I'm by nature a fast reader. And so to slow down and to read something in small doses has been really good for me. Annie, what's on the horizon for the bookshelf that you're excited about? If you have any plans you can tell us about. I'm really excited to host reader retreats this year without perhaps a pandemic looming over them. Do you know what I <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, we know. We know. <laughs> we hold all plans loosely now, but we just hosted our first reader retreat of the year. We have two more that we are scheduling and really looking forward to. And then I'm not kidding. I want to have a 10-year we did it birthday party. Like <laughs> like I want to have a we paid off the small business loan. We worked really hard for 10 years and this is a milestone party. And so I hope we get to have a big old party in the summer of 2023 to celebrate, to celebrate a working life milestone. That feels right to me. Annie, thanks for stopping by again. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Anne. Readers, I hope you enjoyed our conversations today. I'd love to know what title you've added to your TBR or hear about what's happening at your neighborhood indie. 
Share those thoughts in the comments over on our show notes page, where we've also included links to all the books and bookstores mentioned today. Find that at whatshouldireadnextpodcast.com. If you love today's episode, you will definitely want to listen to my original conversations with Holland, Abby, and Annie. Links to those episodes are in our show notes. Be sure you're subscribed to our show in your favorite podcast app, because we will be back later this season with even more conversations with booksellers we love. Thanks to the people who make the show happen. What Should I Read Next is created each week by Will Bogle, Holly Wilkachevsky, and Studio D Podcast Productions. Our community manager is Sara Ader. Readers, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And as Reiner Maria Rilke said, ah, how good it is to be among people who are reading. Happy reading, everyone. Happy reading, everyone.